0: Welcome back. And if this is your first time visiting the Productive Woman podcast, welcome. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we'll be continuing our recurring productive reading series, this time talking about some lessons I learned from Jeff Sanders' newest book, The Free Time Formula. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 211. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks and Bombas, and I'm honored to thank them as sponsors of this episode. To check out all the options for the most comfortable socks you'll ever wear and get 20% off your first order, visit bombas.com slash TPW, that's B-O-M-B-A-S dot slash TPW, and I'll share a little more about them later on. Right now, I want to say a thank you to FreshBooks, our longtime sponsor, and This is the online accounting software that I've personally been using at the Productive Woman for the last couple of years. They are offering you as a Productive Woman listener, a 30 day all access free trial. So you can find out for yourself how helpful and how usable it is. FreshBooks is ridiculously easy to use, but it's also packed full of powerful features that let you manage your business finances efficiently and effectively, whether it's invoicing, tracking expenses and payments, tracking your time, putting together proposals uh, and getting reports necessary to get your taxes done. It makes it simple and intuitive to do, and you can do it from your computer or on the go from your smartphone. It's simply a great tool for managing your business finances. And as I said, FreshBooks is still offering that 30-day unrestricted free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. To claim it, you just go to freshbooks.com slash woman and enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. (music) All right, let's get into this week's topic. We are, as I mentioned, continuing our productive reading recurring series. Back in episode 133, we talked about lessons from Gary Keller's The One Thing. Episode 147, we talked about The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg's book. In episode 166, we looked at lessons learned from three books written by Brene Brown. And finally, most recently in episode 182, we talked about Courtney Carver's wonderful book, Soulful Simplicity. All of those have been good. You can check back on those to If you haven't read the books, uh, get kind of the highlights of them, the lessons I've learned, and then learn a little more and see if it's something you want to read. This time, I'm sharing some of my most important takeaways from Jeff Sanders' newest book, The Free Time Formula. Jeff is a productivity expert. I was actually a guest on his podcast, The 5am Miracle in late 2015. And he's known for the podcast, The 5am Miracle, and his book by the same name. I'll put a link to the episode of his podcast that I was a guest on. Uh, and also a link to his, uh, his uh, website in general in the show notes for this episode. But Jeff is an author, a podcaster, a coach, he and his wife, Tessa recently became parents when they had their first baby a little girl this past summer. And Jeff and I were panelists along with Nick Snap at a podcasting conference early last year talking about productivity for podcasters. So like I said, you can find out more about him by visiting his website, which is jeffsanders.com, uh, but I'll have links to all that in the show notes. But this episode is about his newest book, which is called The Free Time Formula. And he says in the book that it is a seven-step Uh, system to help you find happiness, focus and productivity, no matter how busy you are and he also goes on to say and i love this it's a path to high achievement without the burden of slaving away 24/7 to get there the subtitle of the book is finding happiness focus and productivity no matter how busy you are and he is really committed to this message and to providing tools and ideas to help you achieve it it's what his business is as a podcaster as a coach and all these other things but this book really resonates with that sort of message. It's inspiring. And motivating, but it's also very practical. Uh, Each chapter ends with a brief summary of the chapter's key points to help you kind of solidify those ideas in your head. And then it's followed by a specific action plan, things that you can do, actions you can take to put into practice the ideas discussed in that chapter. And I really like that practical element. And he actually ends the book with a very specific seven-day action plan of here's how you can put the free time formula basically, into action in your life. Uh, and the book is divided into seven parts, corresponding to each of the seven steps in that seven-step plan, and and has a couple chapters focused on each one. And just as a, a framework for some of the things that I'll share as far as my takeaways, the seven steps briefly are first, find out what's really going on. This is about becoming aware of how you're spending your time by doing a self-evaluation and a time audit. Second is clarify what matters. Here, he's talking about identifying what he calls your vital few priorities and identifying what you should be doing next to make sure you're staying focused on those vital few priorities. The third step is, he calls it, flex your muscles. It's really about staying healthy enough to pursue your goals. Uh, Jeff is, at least from my perspective, a younger guy uh, who's very focused on the importance of maintaining your health in order to be productive and, and, as we would say on this show, make a life that matters. And so that's that step of his plan and that section of the book talk about ways you can do that. Uh, step four is what he calls cut the nonsense. And this is the step where you purge your calendar and your to-do list of activities and, and commitments that don't serve you and your key priorities. Number f- five, step five is schedule what matters. This is all about putting on your calendar, the actions and the activities that will move you forward in, co- in accomplishing those key goals that you identified earlier in the program. Uh, Step six is to prevent future nonsense. Here, uh, he's talking about identifying what your primary distractions are and developing strategies to combat them so you can stay focused on what matters to you. And then finally, step seven is solidify your ideal rhythm. This is about developing a daily or weekly schedule that works for you and incorporates times of focus and times of rest. So that's a very brief kind of high-level overview of the structure of the book. As I said, he's very... seems to be very focused on giving practical help to go along with the motivation and the inspiration. He starts this book by sharing how shortly after he had signed the contract to write the book, he found himself in the hospital emergency room suffering physical effects of a completely overloaded life. And he talks a little bit about how that experience affected his focus on managing his commitments to allow for a better quality of life. And that theme kind of goes throughout the book in, in a way that I, I just found really uh, inspiring for lack of a better term. And so with that kind of overview, that structure in mind, I thought I would share a few of my key takeaways from the book. Um, some quotes that I underlined and starred and really have thought about and, um, one of the first ones early on in the book is he says defining what free time means to you is the most important first step to ensuring you get as much of it as you want uh, and i thought that was that was thought provoking f- for me because we talk about wanting to have more free time but what does that mean does it mean you know having time where you're just sitting doing nothing staring out the window Does it mean time away from your job job to do something else that matters to you? We really, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, being intentional about what we're doing is kind of the key to success and and being productive in all the best senses. And so he starts by getting us thinking about what does free time mean to you? If we want more free time, what what is it we're looking for what is it that we want and that really got me thinking about what do i want time for in my life he also said early on in the book uh, uh, something that is so true that i don't think we think about when we you know get into the whole productivity space and people are always talking about time management jeff says you can never actually manage time because it moves forward at its own pace regardless of what we do And that's true. I mean, we talk about managing time but we can't manage it. It is what it is. The, the minutes tick by regardless. And so he goes on to talk about the fact that we can manage our activities. We can manage our energy and our attention and all of those sorts of things to accomplish what we want to accomplish and make the best use of the time that we have. And I thought that was really worth thinking about, uh, kind of a, a little subtle shift in the language we use, Uh, that really has pretty, um, profound consequences in the way we order our lives. We can't manage time. It is, it, it moves at its pace, regardless of what we're doing with it, Uh, but we can manage what we do with it. Another thing that he talked about quite a bit early on, and I think this is so important, um, that, that, and I've heard other people talk about this recently, um, the the idea of having multiple priorities, uh, establishing what our priorities are. And he says, uh, and this is kind of early in the book, having more than one priority is a lie, we can truly only ever do one thing at a time. And in any given moment, we only have one task that is at the top of the list. We may have many tasks we would like to accomplish over the course of the next 24 hours, but only one task is the supreme task right now. And so think about that for a minute. We may have various areas of priority if we want to use that term in our life. We want to be, uh, you know, good at our profession. It's important to us to be a good spouse, a good mom if we if we have kids, what a good friend, but he's talking about as we're deciding what to do with our time in any given moment, there can only be one task. That's the number one task right now in this moment. And when we're putting our to-do list together, our task list, It's important to keep that in mind. We may have lots of things we want to accomplish over the course of a period of time, but as we are sitting here deciding what am I going to do next, one thing should rise to the top. And so he offers in uh, this section of the book a list of five questions that we can ask ourselves to assess our to-do list and focus in on what's the most important task to do today or right now. And his questions are, number one, are there any tasks on the list that I already know could be eliminated forever? And, you know, we could pause right here and think about that. How many things are on your to-do list that you've put there because you feel like you ought to do it or somebody wants you to do it, but you're really not committed to doing it. And there would be virtually no consequences if you didn't do it. Um, In order to best manage our activities to make the most of the time we have and uh, give ourselves more free time to do the things that matter most to us, those, those things should come off our list. Things that could be eliminated with no consequences, consider taking those off your list. His second question is, are there any tasks on this list that I already know could be rescheduled for another day? This is especially important if you've got a really long to-do list or a, and a full calendar on a given day and you're feeling overwhelmed, then take a step back, look at that list and ask yourself honestly, which of these things could I move to tomorrow or the day after or next week? And why not do that? To give yourself some breathing room today instead of uh, having unrealistic expectations of what we're capable of, of accomplishing within a given period of time. Number three of his questions is how many of these tasks are due today and could not be rescheduled without a phenomenal effort on my part. So what's left on that list that must get done today, it would be really problematic to reschedule it. Okay, that should be the task list to start from. Number four then would be, are there any tasks on this list, the ones that must get done today? that could be quickly and reasonably delegated to someone else. Okay, and again, honestly, give yourself permission to ask for help to accept help, what could be delegated, whether it's to another family member, to paid help to your assistant, if it's a work task, what things actually could be delegated pretty reasonably to somebody else. And then his fifth question is the one that really, you know, got me thinking. And that is, if I had to pick just one task on this list to accomplish today, which one would it be? And I think that's really important when it comes to narrowing down what's the best use of my time at any given moment. That's an important question to ask. And I think it's kind of difficult for us to be honest with ourselves about it. And so we can maybe try to put the things into perspective because we say, oh, I've got to do all these things. They have to get done. But what if something changed suddenly? You get a phone call and somebody close to you has been injured or has suddenly become very ill and you have to leave for the hospital very soon. Then how would you evaluate the tasks on your list? Honestly, could they be moved? Is there one thing on there that has to get done even in that situation? Then that's your priority for that day. Or maybe to put it a, a more positive spin on it. What if you, you know, you've got this big list of things that are your tasks that you're just convinced have to get done today. What if somebody called you and offered you an all expenses paid trip to your dream vacation spot, but only if you could leave tomorrow? Does that change your perception of any of the things on that list. Is there anything on there that, okay, even in that situation, before I can leave in the morning, I've got to do this one thing. What would that be? Then then that's your priority. Those are just ways of looking at your to-do list to get more honest with yourself uh, and and get really focused in on the priorities. As, as Jeff says later on in the book, and as we've said before, and many of my guests have said, you cannot do it all and you should not do it all. Okay, so I think that um, perspective on what it means to for something to be a priority was a really good point that he makes in the book and really worth thinking about. The next takeaway that I got, and this was one of the first things that I really uh, really absorbed from the book that I thought was so good and and kind of novel in a way, and that's his what he what I call his green pen approach. Uh, The idea is looking carefully at our lives for what works, for what we do well, for our strengths, for where we shine, and building our goals around those things instead of creating goals that are focused around trying to improve our weaknesses. He says um, in the book, you and I both know where we need to improve. We hear it from our boss, our spouse, our preacher, the television, and even our best friends what we often miss is what makes us remarkable. Our successes are so often overshadowed by our mistakes that we use the vast majority of our brain and spend the vast majority of our time consumed with negativity. And I just thought this was so profound that we tend to, when we're creating goals for ourselves, when we're trying to identify the priority for use of our time, we tend to think about the things we're not doing very well, like, oh, you know, I I haven't been working out, I haven't been eating well, I need to lose weight. So my goal is going to be to, you know, lose X pounds. Or I haven't been following, you know, doing enough business development, I'm not very good at that. So my goal is going to be to call, you know, six new contacts every day or something like that. That that tends to be, I honestly, at least for me, that's been the area where I have tended to focus on uh, when I'm setting my own goals. But what he's saying is, okay, we know what our weaknesses are. Let's take a step back and look at our lives with, and he explains in the book where this idea of the green pen comes from. So I'm not going to go into that, but it's worth reading. But look at our lives and say, where am I doing well? What am I good at? What what areas do I shine and use those as the basis for my goals? So, um, I'm a, you know, for me, um, I should have thought about this before I started talking. What's an area that I'm good at? I'm good at, um, at, I'm a good writer. I'm. I am a good writer. I have good writing skills, good grammar, good punctuation, good. I'm. I'm just good at writing. So one of my goals should be focused on that, uh, under his green pen approach, rather than looking at where am I falling down on the job and create a goal for that. Because we're better at. Uh, we are more motivated by. Uh, positivity than we are by negativity, and so I that's, I just love this green pen approach and this idea of creating our goals after identifying the areas where we shine and and using those as the basis for our goals. The next thing he talked about, though, and this is in step um, it's step three of his seven step program is the importance of taking care of our health for true productivity and for really making a life that matters. He says, your health is more important than your resume checklist, bucket list, or achievement ranking system. And he goes on to say, adopting a health first approach is a surefire strategy to guarantee you can achieve your most ambitious goals far into the future. Uh, and he's so right. And this was such a good reminder for me as I was reading this book, that caring for our physical and mental health is key to having the energy and focus we need to pursue our goals. Yet we tend to think, and I know I tend to act as though I have to choose between my health and my other goals. I am totally guilty of this, neglecting physical movement to sit in my chair and work on client matters because it's important to me. You know, one of my goals is to be a good lawyer and serve my clients well. And and so that's in pursuit of those professional goals. I think, okay, well, I'm going to do this and, and prioritize that over um, I if, if I'm going to do this I can't work I can't work out today because there's not time and this is a false choice as as Jeff says in the book it's not only possible to remain healthy while pursuing your goals but it's also the only way you'll be able to pursue them long term exercise, he says, exercise time does not replace productivity time, it enhances it. And he is so right. And I have really kind of forgotten that over the last few months, I've let other things and this sort of false choice of well, uh, I can't uh, take care of my health and do these other things. But I can't do the other things I want to do as well, and certainly not over the long term, unless I'm taking care of my body. And it's not about spending hours at the gym and, you know, eating all organic or whatever. It's about finding where is that balance of time and prioritizing, putting, taking care of your body and your mind at the top of the list instead of only fitting it in if if you can't. Um, one of the things he said toward the uh, the end of that section of the book that I thought was so thought provoking is he says, ideally, you should have time on most days, not all days, but most days uh, for three essential activities, physical fitness, working on your craft, and enjoying the fruits of your labors. And that by that last one, he you know, it's the relaxation and just, you know, being with people you love doing things you love. He says, if you do not have time for all three of these things on a recurring basis, you are too busy or your priorities are out of order. So that's something that I've really been thinking about and I'm going to be looking at my in my own life am I making time for those three things today or am I letting a lot of us tend to you know let the working on your craft whether your craft is being a lawyer or writing a book painting you know paintings or parenting your kids we we let that expand to take up all available time and don't leave time for the other two things and I want to try and um do a better job of making time for all three of those things. The next thing, uh, takeaway that I got from him and uh, the concept that he talked about that I thought was so valuable is the idea of pausing on purpose. You know, we tend to think about being productive as being about going all the time or as much as possible, you know, bang, bang, bang from this thing to the the next thing and, and checking things off the list and getting all these things done. But he points out in the book, and I'm quoting here, there is immense value in the pause in intentionally slowing the pace of the day, or in simply stopping to consciously take a breath after an intense and productive session. And I you know, he's absolutely right. And it's such a good reminder. And he offers some very practical ideas in that section of the book on how to build pauses into even your busiest days. And, and some examples of times he suggests looking for and building in pauses would be just after the alarm goes off. So before you get up and jump into your day, uh, between meetings or appointments, just after a workout when you're sitting in traffic, which I thought was interesting, and just before falling asleep. Those are some times where even on a very busy day, we could build in a pause, um, even if it's only for a minute to, you know, take some deep breaths. So anyway, I thought that was great. Uh, Another uh, concept that he talks about that I thought was good is this idea of cutting the nonsense from our lives to make room for what really matters. And he says, that anything that is a distraction to your vital few goals is nonsense. So that's the, where that concept comes from. And I think it's, you know, it's worth thinking about. So whether, whether you consider those things nonsense in the sense of having no value or not, is not, is not the point. The, his point is, once you have identified the most important thing, those few things in your life that matter most of all, in order to build time into your, into your day and into your week and into your year to, for those things, you've got to look with a really um, critical eye and critical in the sense of, of being honest and clear and intentional at the other things in your life that are not important, as important, uh, things that you can cut out, if they are distracting you from the things that you've identified for yourself as being the most important. And there are a lot of things uh, that he has to say about that. One of the kind of practical things he mentioned is this idea of creating what he calls a must do list, which he says is a simple index of items near and dear to your heart, tasks that you are fully committed to accomplishing every week. So sitting down with your cup of tea or coffee or whatever, whatever beverage you like and a notepad and saying what are the things that are really important that, that I really want to have a part of my week. And maybe for you, it's going to be a walk outside and uh, time with your spouse and, um, you know, time working on this the special art project that you are committed to, to doing, whatever those things are, it should be a pretty, uh, you know, reasonable sized list of those things that are really, really important. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's getting to bed by 10 o'clock every night. Maybe it's getting up at, you know, at, at a certain time in the morning and spending time in contemplation or prayer, whatever those things are that are really important to you write those things down. And um, you're going to get those in your schedule. That's another part of the step. But you use that must do list as kind of a barometer of whether your life is getting off track. Recognize when you're not doing those activities and take that as a wake up call. He says, when your must-do list is not getting done, this is a warning that you need to make a change and it needs to happen right away because continuing at the current pace will lead to increased stress, fatigue, mood swings, and burnout. I just think that's such a great idea to really you know give yourself some thought and maybe post it somewhere where you're going to see it your must do list. These are things that have to get happen have to happen every every week for me. Whatever they are for you. And pay attention, check it regularly and notice when these things that you've identified as important are not happening. Okay, so what do I need to change so that those things get back in the schedule? And then as part of that, he talks about creating what he calls your red carpet calendar. And um, there's an explanation in the book about kind of what he means by that. But the the kind of key components that I took away from the book about what creates your red carpet calendar. Number one is what matters most is scheduled first. Okay, we tend to and whether it's fitness, like we talked about earlier, if that's an important thing to you, to keep your body strong and healthy, but you don't schedule it till everything else is done, and you try to fit it in, that's kind of backwards. What he's saying is you've identified through the earlier steps in his program or whatever, you know, whatever approach you take to identifying what's important to you. But you've identified those things. Okay, they should go on our calendar first, before we put anything else in and we schedule around those instead of trying to fit them in around other stuff that other people want us to do. So that's the first um, element of a red carpet calendar in Jeff's book. Uh, The second element is to leave plenty of margin around in between our appointments, instead of scheduling appointments and commitments back to back to back, we're leaving white space and margin between those to account for the fact that there will be surprise tasks that come up, there will be unexpected challenges, certain things may take longer than you expected. And we need some downtime. So rather than filling up every moment of the day, leave that margin in there. He also says your red carpet calendar should be synchronized across all our devices so it's available to us no matter where we are. So for me, for instance, even if I'm away from my computer and my phone, the next event, I can't see my whole calendar, but the next event or appointment or commitment or whatever shows up in the screen on my Apple Watch. So I can look at it no matter where I am and and be reminded, okay, at three o'clock I've got this thing. Uh, you know, and then I can go back to my main calendar to look at what comes after that. But at least the next thing is very visible to me and it's all synchronized. And then part of a red carpet calendar or organizing your day in a good way is Uh, schedule similar tasks in batches to eliminate the friction of task switching. And we've talked about this before, this kind of batch processing, whether it's that we run all our errands together and try to plan an efficient route. I live out in the country. I'm only about 15 minutes from town, but if I was going to run back and forth, multiple times to run errands, that's 30 minutes added, you know, each time I go in 15 minutes in and 15 minutes back. So when I'm I try to plan more multiple errands on the same day, so most days, I don't need to go into town. And then when I plan to go in and I'm running my errands. I kind of think about the route that I want to take to make it efficient. So I don't waste a lot of time backtracking. And I don't do things like, you know, do my grocery shopping first and then go stand in line at the bank while my ice cream melts in the trunk of my car, you know, plan, plan it well. And that's a way of batching tasks. Maybe if you've got a lot of phone calls to make, make them all at once. For me, I try to record more than one podcast episode at a time to reduce the amount of time I spend getting my recording gear out and set up and ready to go. It doesn't take me a lot of time to set up that gear, but it's time um, that I could, you know, uh, that I can save by not having to repeat it multiple times. If I set it up once, record two or three episodes and put it all away, I've saved some time that's then available for downtime or for whatever else. He also, uh, talks then in the book about several obstacles to using your calendar well and offers some ideas for addressing them. So I thought that chapter was particularly good. And he talks about um, making good use of your free time. And this was a, a something I had not thought about really before, that one of the ways we can make good use of our free time. Once we've become more efficient, we've created our red carpet calendar. Now we've got some time or time may open up because say an appointment is canceled or, or whatever. He says, to take advantage of free time that shows up unexpectedly, be prepared with your free time, do this now list. This is a collection of tasks, projects, or ideas of varying lengths that you could pursue when you discover an opening in your schedule. And I really liked this idea because I have a tendency that if I've got my plan for the day, maybe I've got a couple conference calls scheduled and an appointment and a list of things that I'm going to do, and maybe one of the calls gets scheduled. So now I've got what I thought 30 minutes that were accounted for, it's opened up. If in the moment I can't think of anything worthwhile to do it's real easy to default to you know surfing the net or watching Netflix or whatever if an evening opens up but by putting a list together of things that I could do when when I have 15 minutes or an hour or half a day of unexpected free time, then when that opens up, I just train myself to look at that list and think, I've got 30 minutes here. What can I do on this list? You know, I've been wanting to work on um, hand lettering with you know, something that I do in my bullet journal, I'd like to learn how to do that, because I'm not very artistic. But I think that's something I could do. And I got a couple books that are kind of tutorials. And I keep forgetting that they're there. So I've got this 30 minutes that's on the list, I'm going to get that book out and work on one of the worksheets. You see what I'm saying that, that the idea is you've you've prepared ahead of time. So you don't just kind of wander around looking at the out the window and thinking, well, I don't know what to do with this. I guess I'll go on to Facebook or something. So it avoids that waste of time when something happens, uh, unexpectedly to open up time. Uh, so if you have things that you've been wanting to do, but sort of never have time for, maybe put those things on your free time list and have it ready to go when time opens up. Another thing he said that I think is so important to keep in mind is that focus is a skill and you can improve with intentional practice. I sometimes find myself struggling to stay focused. There are so many things on my mind at any given time. And especially if it's focused on something that is important to do, but not really exciting to do, it's easy to get distracted by other things. And it's a good reminder that our minds, we can get better at focusing if we practice doing it on purpose. And one of the tools he suggests for improving our focus is to create a focus checklist, which is a list of things to do in preparation for a session of focused work. And it's based on the sorts of things that tend to distract you. It's a plan to get around those. So for instance, his list includes things like get a snack and a drink, take a restroom break. Hang up a do not disturb sign, which is, you know, if if one of your distractions is getting interrupted by others, that would be really useful. Turn off your devices, set a timer, light a candle, turn on focus music, those kinds of things. He says the key is to preempt what normally causes you to go off on a tangent and stop working even for a moment. Brainstorm a list of your greatest distractions that arise when you want to work Using that list as a guide, create your focus checklist to ensure you can begin your next session as ready as can be. I just thought that was really good. And then the final kind of takeaway, key takeaway that I got from the free time formula was his um, discussion of the importance of periodic sabbaticals. Um, taking time away from your work. He says, systematically taking time away from your work on a regular basis is paramount to your ability to stay fully engaged when you are working and totally unplugged when you are not. Consider when and for how long you could guarantee quality time for recurring sabbaticals in your current season of life and work. And I thought that was really a good idea. Um, it reminded me of a firm that I was that I worked at as a lawyer in Seattle for a few years. They had a program that employees, both lawyers and non-lawyers, after you'd been there a certain number of years, you would get. I want to say it was like a three-month paid sabbatical. And They just, it, I mean, it was a significant number of years you had to be there in order to get the benefit of this, but they saw the value in getting, giving people the opportunity to get away from work, refresh, recalibrate, and get, you know, just get restored and then come back to work. A lot of academic people have that, uh, you know, like professors have sabbaticals built into their schedule as part of what they do. It's time to get away from the day-to-day work and go off and do some other things. So Jeff offers some ideas in the book, um, some questions to ask yourself for identifying uh, where you could find time. So daily, how could you, what could you do to guarantee yourself maybe an hour of me time each day? Does that mean getting up earlier, staying up a little later, taking your lunch break away from the office? What You know, what could you do, look at your schedule and figure out where could I find that hour each day for me? Uh, Weekly, when's the best time each week to take a step back to pause, reflect, and regroup? He asks, can you guarantee a work-free zone for one or two days each week? Certainly in the United States, I can't speak to what other countries are like, but here we're notorious for never taking days off, for working through the weekend and and never really getting away. And Jeff is reminding us of the value of having time away mentally and physically, it's restorative. And so is it possible for you to reorganize things a little bit in your week so that one day a week, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, whatever, um, that you don't work at all? Is that, you know, that may be a goal to work toward. Same thing he says, look at monthly and quarterly, can you get away for a couple of days? from work and restore and take a little mini sabbatical and then semi semi annually or annually, do you have you scheduled an extended vacation or a retreat to, as he says, fully decompress from your normally busy schedule? And he says, put that on your calendar. We all need to be doing that. Look ahead into the months to come and where can you schedule an extended period of time, whether it's a week or two weeks or whatever, away from your busy schedule, Um, you know, get out of the office, maybe get away from home and go um, restore. Um, He says, there is more to life than work and there is an ideal rhythm to life that can sustain your soul. So it's about um, finding that workable balance between working hard and resting, working hard and resting. And we need to build those rest times, those sabbatical times into our schedule on purpose because nobody's going to give them to us. They're not going to just happen unless we schedule them on purpose, find those times and make it work to have it. It's simply not going to happen. And then finally, the um, the last thing that I thought was pretty important to keep in mind uh, for those of us who are information junkies, who like to read the books and watch the listen to the podcasts and watch the videos and learn all these new things, Jeff reminds us toward the end of the book about the paramount importance of taking action on what you know, and that taking action on what you know is more valuable than learning new things. He says, the smallest and seemingly most insignificant actions are inherently more valuable than the 18 new things you learned, but did nothing about. And so that was a challenge to me as I finished the book thinking, all right, he's, I, there's not a lot of like groundbreaking new stuff in this book. What he's done is um, assemble it all in a way to remind us that uh, of these concepts that we've read about elsewhere, but maybe not taken action on. And so what I want to do is a couple of these things that I've mentioned that were takeaways for me, is to come up with an action plan for even just one of them. So, you know, for me, it's going to be, can I um, schedule my week in such a way that I can take one day off and not come into my office at all, not work on stuff at all. So that would be more valuable to me than going out and, you know, learning some new thing that I don't do. So basically, those are some of the key takeaways that I got from reading Jeff Sanders' book, The Free Time Formula. It just came out uh, sometime in the, this year. Well, it was this year that it came out. I found it to be a really practical solutions-oriented book about productivity. And uh, I encourage you to check it out. If And so I ask, you know, what do you think? Have you read this book? It's been out a few months, I think. And if you've read it, what spoke to you most strongly in the book? What takeaways uh, did you bring from the book that have resonated with you and that you're actually putting into effect into your life? I'd love to hear from you, share your your takeaways on the free time formula or your thoughts about the things that I've mentioned in this episode in the comments section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 211. Or on the Facebook page or in the Facebook uh, community, the, the private group for the women who listen to the show. If you want to share your thoughts about this with me privately, you can always email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. We can have a conversation about it. Before we go, I want to say a thank you to uh, our new sponsor, Bombas, which (laughs) they are the creators of what might just be the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Uh, Bombas has totally re-engineered socks with comfort innovations that add up to one way more comfortable pair of socks. I'm wearing mine right now, or one of the pairs, and they're just so comfortable, you don't want to take them off. Uh, They've spent two years of research and development, which led to multiple improvements of the sock design, performance and comfort. Things like an arch support system that provides extra support where you need it most, a cushioned footbed that's reinforced for comfort without added bulkiness, stay up technology. They tested 133 tension levels to find the perfect tension that's comfortable, that stays in place so your socks aren't falling down. Uh, they're not too loose, but they don't leave marks on your legs. A seamless toe, they got rid of that annoying bump on the toes and you can just wiggle your toes around and feel the difference and you really can. And these socks are made of a super soft cotton that you you won't ever want to take off. So whatever you love to do, there's a pair of Bombas that will add comfort to your life as you do it. They were created for runners, for power walkers, for power loungers, for low-key fashionistas, snowboarders, business sharks, business casual sharks, people who prefer the outdoors or Netflix and chillers, and overall lovers of everyday comfort. And to make it even better, Bombas donates one brand new pair of socks for, for every pair they sell, And they donate those to homeless shelters. And to date, they've sold and donated over 9 million pairs. So the great thing is, as I mentioned, the Productive Woman listeners get 20% off their first order of Bombas socks. So to check it out, see what the options are for men or for women, visit bombas.com slash TPW, and that's spelled B-O-M-B-A-S dot com bombuscom slash tpw offer code tpw to get your 20% off. And let me know if you get some and what you think of them. I'm loving them. And of course, don't forget FreshBooks. Thank you to them for their 30 day unrestricted free trial. They're offering to the productive woman listeners to claim it just visit freshbooks.com slash woman and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section. And thank you so much to FreshBooks and to Bombas for supporting the productive woman. And that is it for this episode of the productive woman. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I don't take it lightly. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I hope you found something in this episode that's helpful to you. I would love to hear from you about that. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.